Welcome to Unsolicited Book Reviews with Michael McBride. That's me! I read a lot of books and sometimes people ask for recommendations. No one explicitly asked me to review these books in particular, which is why they're Unsolicited Book Reviews. They just happen to be ones I enjoyed recently. I read across genres and really whatever happens to come across my path. Sometimes it's a book mentioned within another book that I'm currently reading. Other times it's from an interview with an author or just a new book from a favorite author. And sometimes someone else recommended I read the book for whatever reason. Often if that's the case, I've forgotten where the recommendation came from by the time I get around to reading it. Oops, each episode is going to have somewhere between three and five reviews and be roughly five minutes long each, give or take. Good? Let's go! Um, this one is Stephen Levy, or Levy. I borrowed it from the library and forgot to record this before I returned it, so oops. Uh, so you just get the piece of paper, um, but it's Hackers, um, Heroes of the Computer Revolution. And it was originally published in 1984, I think. Uh, the 25th anniversary of the book just came out, um, I don't know, maybe in 2011. So it's, it's an older book, but it's, you know, I, I just kind of read what comes across my path and what interests me, and this happened to be it. Um, it tells a really interesting story. Um, you know, if you're thinking about hackers as being, um, I don't know, kind of the modern use, um, maybe what you want to think about with this book is more innovators, um, because these are the people that help develop things like, you know, the personal computer and software and games and copy protection and a lot of things that are, you know, just commonplace today. Um, so what, what I love about it is it really delves in the history. He does a lot of interviews uh, with the primary sources and the people who are part of this. Um, and in the process really talks about kind of the overlap of like radio and television, and then also fascination with model trains and how all that then becomes computers <laughs> as we know it. Um, as someone who grew up in the 80s, uh, my very favorite section is towards the end um, when they dig into the Sierra team. Uh, you know, Ken and Roberta, who did like King's Quest and Leisure Suit Larry, and I think there's Space Quest and some others. King's Quest was my my jam. Um, I got my first computer, I think, in 85, and it was an 8086 IBM clone. Um, and I pretty quickly got King's Quest 2, and that was... That was just amazing to me. So anyway, this book does a really good job of pulling all those different narratives together, giving some history. Um, it stops at 1983, and then the new edition of it has a couple appendices uh, where there's a section on, I think, 1990 that he updates it, and then in 2010 is the last update. Um, and he kind of checks in with those people we spoke with early on. Um, but this is this is definitely one I enjoyed. So. I would highly recommend, if you're into the computer world at all, Stephen Levy's Today's unsolicited book review is a bit of a throwback um, to my very favorite book of all time. Um, it's the book I've read most times of any book I've read, and I continue to go back to it. In fact, I just re-listened to it, which is why I figured I would do this review. It is Don Quixote by Miguel Cervantes. And this is a bit of an artifact, this book. This is actually the book that I got when I took a class with my professor, um, Bill Dyer, 
and it was the big book class. So all of the books were 700 pages or more. Um, in fact, we read Clarissa, which I think is like 1500 pages, depending on the edition. Um, so this was relatively a breeze by comparison. And I just fell in love with it. Um, you know, the book turns, I think, 415 years old this year, or maybe next year, I can't remember. Definitely over 400 years old. And it continues to make me laugh and think about the inventiveness um, that can go into writing and fiction in general. Um, you know, people who have a passing knowledge of Don Quixote, um, you know, think of him tilting at windmills. Um, and that's definitely, that's the first part of the book, right? This is like the, the grand adventure, the going out, the first Sally, um, trying to conquer the world and be this knight errant. Um, but my favorite part is part two. Um, in part two, which was published years later, um, and after a fake Don Quixote part two came out, uh, which I also have a, a translation of over there, um, Cervantes was angry that this book existed out there. And this part two is, is so great. I mean, it's crazy to think about it being written in 1615 and for it to um, feel as vibrant and alive. I mean, it's metafiction. Uh, in the part two, part one exists. And so people see Don Quixote and Sancho Panza walking around and they know stories about them. Like they know their intimate thoughts. And that really disturbs the characters to be like, how, how do they know this stuff? How do they know the stuff that happened in private? And in fact, there are things that is, are being aired that Quixote didn't tell Sancho about and vice versa. And they're learning about this and realizing that one another is being dishonest or has been dishonest in the past. Um, I don't know. I mean, there are lots of translations of this book and I've, pro I've probably read four or five different ones. Um, I still come back to the Penguin Classic and Honestly, I don't even remember who trans... Uh, John Rutherford. Um, so that's the edition that I generally go back to. Um, there's a Judith Grossman edition that came out a couple of years ago, I think to celebrate the 400th anniversary of the book. Um, and that one's really good as well. The audiobook's a great way to listen to it. Um, but, you know, in this, in this book, what you get is somebody shooting for the fences, you know, kind of regardless of whatever everybody else wants, going out or what everybody else thinks, I should say, going out and, you know, trying to achieve their heart's desire um, and really grasping the, the most out of life. That's part one. Part two is struggling with realizing that people know your innermost thoughts and private things about you and um, what you do with that. And then there are people who try to manipulate Cervant um uh, Don Quixote and Sancho Panza and make them play things and how those characters react to that. Um, you know, Quixote is the one that is always um, the visual representation of the book, uh, but Sancho Panza really thrives in part two and um, his governance is just, it's one of the funniest, but also like most insightful um, moments um, in, in literature. And I, I come back to it again and again. So 
Anyway, if you have it on your list of books to read, you should read it. Um, and if you don't, you should also read it. And if you want to talk about it, I am all ears. I, I never get tired of talking about it. Today's book is The Hidden Life of Trees by Peter Wollenben. Um, I listened to this one on audiobook, which is why I have it on my phone there. And it's awesome. I mean... If you follow any of the science about trees lately and kind of their communal nature and a lot of the stuff we've been learning over the last uh, decade or two, um, this book might not have a lot of new stuff for you, um, but it provides a really cohesive story of trees and it covers all that material about how parent trees lay sip you know child trees underneath them and protect them from the elements and though they can't get sun um they offer nutrients through the root system so they are nourishing them and allowing them to grow for the day when the parent tree collapses and then the younger ones will sprout up and overtake it um so there is like a sense of community um, trees communicate between each other, they share information, they seem to have some kind of repository for knowledge, whether you want to call it a brain or not, um, in the root system to remember things about different threats and prepare themselves uh, for weather changes and that kind of stuff. Um, super interesting. And Wollenben does a wonderful job of telling all those different aspects of trees. And he talks about, you know, the oaks and the birches and the redwoods. Um, but he also talks about willows and um, just a wide variety of trees around the world. Uh, there's also a guy on TikTok, and I'll have to, I don't watch a lot of TikTok videos, but this one guy's videos are all about the old growth forests. Um, and I'll be sure to share it in the link when I share this video. Um, you know, it's something you hear about and, you know, you know that lumber companies cut down trees and then they're replacing them and we think that's great and everything. But um, what's lost in that is that generational thing that happens in an old growth forest where you have old trees and young trees and trees in between and uh, the kind of things that grow and thrive in that environment that just you can't have when all of the trees have been replanted and they're all the same age. Um, so anyway, super interesting book. I would definitely recommend The Hidden Life of Trees by Peter Wallenben. Um, really good read. Uh, even if, like I said, even if you've read the articles and listened to the science about, you know, what we've been learning about plants that, you know, are vital to our planet. So um, and I'll, I'll include that link to the TikTok uh, videos as well, because they're super interesting. He goes out and he'll show you like this side of the road is old growth forest. That side of the road is, you know, what has been replanted. Um, and you can just, the differences are stark. Um, I want to keep reading about retail and shopping, maybe because I was an 80s kid and we spent a lot of time in malls and did those kind of things. Um, but my last book, Scarborough Fair, has a fair amount of retail in it as well. And so maybe this is just kind of a carryover from that. But um, earlier this year, I really enjoyed Alexander Lang's book, Meet Me at the Fountain. 
And when we went to see the Sherlock Holmes exhibit at the Minnesota Historical Society a couple weekends ago, I saw this book in the store, uh, Thank You for Shopping by Crystal Leebrook. And um, it's really interesting. I mean, it's got beautiful photographs and uh, vintage images, which I assume come from the Historical Society uh, that she published through uh, or published with. And um, what Liebrick does in this book is she does a really good job of finding narrative stories of people who worked at the stores, um, not necessarily shopping malls, but retail stores that once populated St. Paul and Minneapolis and, and the suburbs as well. Um, and so she tells the stories of some of those workers. Um, she tells the history of the, the, the retail establishments, who created these stores, and... Um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting history, and um, it's engaging. I mean, it's also just beautiful from a, I mean, it could work as a coffee table book almost as well um, because of all the, the gorgeous art and images included. So anyway, if you're like me and interested in history and specifically about shopping and retail, uh, you know, even if you're not from Minnesota, this book works uh, because so many of the stores that were here also ended up in other cities. So you know, Dayton's obviously is the most famous of those. Today is Michelle Obama's The Light We Carry. Um, I was a huge fan of her book, Becoming. I, I thought it was really revealing and vulnerable and ultimately so inspiring that when I heard she had another book coming out, I was very excited for it. So I um, wasn't sure what she would do with The Light We Carry, but was definitely eager to, to, to read it. Um, and I, I listened to it, which is why you have the, the paper version here. Um, it was just like Michelle was telling me stories, which I love. I, I love when um, somebody so iconic um, is just in my ear sharing stories with me. So um, I loved it. In short, the, the book tells um, a bunch of different ways or kind of provides a toolbox for dealing with or coping with the, the pressures of the world and when um, anxiety kind of ramps up. So she does a, a wonderful job of providing a lot of different ways you can cope with that and share stories about what works for her and other people she knows. I, I think my very favorite is a story she tells about her friend Ron um, and Ron's wife shared the story with Michelle and I assume Michelle got permission to use it in the book. If not, then, you know, Sorry, Ron. But um, apparently every morning when he's get ready, gets ready, he looks at himself in the mirror and he says, hey, buddy. And it's just that. It's just like this little simple greeting. Um, and what Michelle does then is she unpacks that and says, you know, like there's very little opportunity for that lack of pretense and, you know, just the, the simple greeting, just saying like, I see you. And, you know, that's the way to start the day is on a positive note. Um, and who better to give that to than yourself? You know, so often we judge ourselves and we break ourselves down for various reasons and shortcomings. And a simple greeting in the morning is a delightful way to circumvent that. Um, so anyway, obviously the book is doing very well without my promotion, but I certainly give it my, my approval as well. Um, and if you get a chance to check out the audiobook, definitely recommend it.
Thanks for listening. You can find out more about me at my webpage, michaelmcbride.com, or on most social media platforms with the same handle, at Michael McBride. That's M-A-C-B-R-I-D-E, like Mac and Bride. Let me know what you're listening to, or if you read one of these books, leave me a comment and let me know what you thought. Have a great day.